All right, welcome to the Everyday Mulemanship Podcast. My name is Ty Evans, and uh, I'm super happy you're hanging out with me today. I uh, hope you are doing great. Uh, today, we're going to do a clinic debrief. You know, we're right in the middle of the clinic season now. We're rolling, we're on tour, we're on the road. And so, you guys are going to be going to be getting one of these just about every week now till <laughs> just about every week till uh shoot uh November. So yeah, you're going to be hearing lots of stories, lots of things. And you know, these clinic debriefs I I just kind of I just kind of get to debrief on the things that happened, um kind of the highlights, um some of the particular parts. Um you know, a lot of times after I do a debrief, I, I come back and I think, oh, I wish I would have talked about this or that. Or I missed a story here, missed something there, you know, whatnot. But uh, anyways, um, we're going to talk about Dunnigan, California. We just finished up our three-day clinic there at the Running Eye Ranch in Dunnigan. And this clinic is hosted by the wonderful Kelly Mesh. Her and uh, her husband, Mike, they do a great job. We just love them. And this is the fourth year Kelly has hosted for us. And uh, she's been coming to clinics for years, though. I think I've known them for six or seven years. Uh, great people. So very grateful for Kelly. And, you know, if you've never been to the Running Eye Ranch there in Dunnigan, California, you need to go, especially if you are one of these riders that's really into obstacles you like obstacle training you like to get your mule to go do weird things <laughs> so if that's you uh you're gonna love the running eye ranch i mean they got every obstacle there that you can imagine i mean they got everything they got water boxes they got a, my favorite obstacle that they have is this uh waterfall water crossing so basically they got these um big I don't even know how big they are. Eight inch pipes. I don't know. Um, with water coming out the side of them. So it kind of makes like a waterfall and he can turn them up. He can turn them up pretty high, get a lot of water pumping out of there. And then it comes and it falls down and you kind of have this little, uh, um, little crick crossing. So it's kind of neat. Anyways, that's my favorite, but they got everything. I mean, they got, you go through noodles, you got teeter totter bridges, they got a suspension bridge. Um, they got animals all over. You got to go. Th One of the hardest ones, I think, um, for a lot of mules is going through these little narrow gaps with hides, elk hides, deer hides on the sides. They don't like that. So anyways, if you like obstacles, you're going to love this place. And I guess they uh, they do a, a little ranch series there. They do a bunch of events there at their ranch and um, you can enter up and go have a good time. But, uh, you know, we didn't play on the obstacles a whole lot except for the last day in mulemanship too. And I'll talk about that here in a little bit. We spent most of our time just in the regular arena, working on mulemanship, working on particulars at this clinic, we had three classes. So we offered foundation mulemanship one and mulemanship two and, uh, foundation and mulemanship one were full up mulemanship two. Um, we had a whole bunch of kind of last minute cancellations. And so we only ended up having, uh, there was three participants the first two days and then one of them had to leave. And so then there's only two participants the last day and uh, 
Boy, we sure get a lot done when there's only a, a couple participants, but <laughs> those poor ladies, they're, they're hoping I, uh, uh, you know, they're like, oh man, that's, I pay a lot of attention to you if there's only two of you in there, you know, and you can't really hide, you can't really hide from me too much. So, um, anyways, it was fun, but I'm going to just kind of go through, I, I, I wrote down a few notes that I want to mention here that I think would be important to share. Um, the first one I want to talk about was excitement. Um, you know, I I love when you guys are excited, you know, uh, most of these clinics, not all of them, but most of them, um, you know, the, the night before the clinic starts, we have a meet and greet and Sky and I try to do these at all the clinics as long as the host is cool with it. And as long as we can, um, we kind of eat chips and salsa or chips and dip and we hang out, visit. I like to get to know you guys and and then, you know, I like to do the check-in portion at that meet and greet so that the clinic days can be devoted to clinic staff and devoted to you and your mules and don't have to worry about all the other pieces of it. So, you know, I love the meet and greet. And uh, this particular meet and greet, um, it was fun to visit with the people there for a minute and the excitement that was being talked of there, the the enthusiasm that was being discussed among each of them and um, it, it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And there was one particular participant that I'll call out here. I'm not sure if, if she listens to this podcast or not, but her name was Alyssa and she had a, a little yearling mule there named Boone. And, um, you know, beforehand, Alyssa had actually sent me a, a, a pretty, pretty big email, uh, telling me her worries and her, and her fears. And, and, uh, and I guess she had also posted on social media, about being a little bit nervous coming to the clinic and, and some of her concerns and, but everybody rallied around her and, um, you know, a lot of people were actually asking, oh, is Alyssa here yet? I want to make sure I'm here when she gets here. I want to help her out. And, and, uh, you know, that's just, that's just the type of people that come to these clinics, you know, is people that want to help you, you know, we want you to be successful. And, um, I hope Alyssa felt that, that we were all there, cheering for her every participant i hope you felt that we were cheering for you um because that's important to me that you know i want to build a culture at these clinics a culture of success a culture of um, excitement a culture of of you know trying to be positive and stay positive and and that's what i'm trying to get done you you know so I hope you guys, when you come to the clinics, you feel that, that, you know, everybody's got your back. We're cheering for you. You know, the equine world is a niche in itself, right? Like in the whole world of all the sports and all the recreation that you can partake of in this world, you know, equine is a small niche in that, um, you know, most, you know, any sports with a ball is probably more popular than the equine world. You know, then you, you know, from the equine world, just as a whole, then you go down and, you know, um, you know, riding, uh, you know, riding mules is definitely a big niche down, um, in that spectrum, right? You know, and then ride mules, there's all sorts of people that ride mules. Okay. And there's all different cultures that ride mules. And so if you ride mules and then you, you know, you're into, um, working with them in the way that we're teaching, you know, this, uh, 
this kind of this great basin buckaroo style of horsemanship and mulemanship. Um, if you're into that, it's, it's niched down really, really small. And then you go down further yet to somebody that practices that or wants to do that, that's willing to come to a clinic and get some help. That's even smaller. My point is with explaining that is that the people that show up to my clinics, they're cool people. They're really cool people. You know, for the most part, everybody is is amazing and they want to help and, and they're interested in learning. Um, especially the people that keep coming back, you know, it's a, it's, you definitely have to be a certain type of person to keep coming back. Um, and I am so blessed to be able to hang out with those type of people, uh, every week for sure. So anyways, that's the first thing I want to talk about was the excitement. And I hope when you come to a clinic that you are as excited as, as some of the people were at Dunnigan, that was really fun um, to show up at that meet and greet and have so much excitement there. Um, so let's start with the foundation class with uh, our our stories here. So, uh, yeah, I already mentioned Miss Alyssa and her yearling Boone. So we'll kind of we'll kind of begin there. You know, um, people often want to know how soon can you start doing this groundwork. The answer is immediately. Um, you know, we do get a lot of yearlings. I shouldn't say a lot. A lot is not a great word uh, uh, word choice there. Um, but we get a few yearlings, and we get fewer yet that are that are weanlings or between a weanling and a yearling somewhere in there. You know, um, but we do it on occasion, and it's never too early to start working on these things. The main thing is is how much you ask and how much you reward. You know, when they're little, the younger they are. Uh, they're very fragile little things as far as I'm talking about the mental part of it. Physically, a lot of these things are tough as nails, but um, but mentally they're they're pretty fragile. So I like to make it a priority to ask these young ones lots of small questions and then give them big rewards. You know, the big reward I'm talking about is just leave them alone for longer amounts of time. You know, maybe you work them for just Let's, let's just, if we're going to put a time frame to it, say, let's say we do 30 seconds straight of work. And those of you listening, you might think, well, that's not, that's not that much. Um, but 30 seconds is actually a good little burst of work. And then I might give them one, two, three minutes just to hang out. And that might be how I go about doing this. And Alyssa did a really good job with that meal boon in class. Uh, of doing that just a little out of time and uh you know something else i'll mention is is you gotta you gotta be willing to have fun and and don't be afraid don't be afraid to laugh at yourself and that's something i appreciated about her was she was having a hard time with her footwork her groundwork and she was kind of stumbling around and and uh, it's okay many of you have been there as well you, you stumble around that groundwork it's okay just laugh at yourself, have fun, try again. And it was inspiring to see her do that. She just kind of giggle at herself and then try again. So that was pretty fun to see, you know, and there's a few others in the groundwork that the same thing. Hey, you know what? Don't get frustrated. Just, just try again. Um, that's probably one of the most difficult things to teach in mulemanship is you need to be willing to mess up 
like you need to be willing and ready to screw up this stuff and be okay with it. Hey, it's okay to mess up. It's all right to screw up. Just start over again and try to be better the next time and give yourself a little giggle on the way because, you know, it's, it's fun and it can be funny. Um, and it, 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 all this stuff is supposed to be a good time. Remember, we all, you know, y'all work for a living and, and you got your serious jobs that you probably do. And, you know, when it comes to playing with these mules, you need to be having a good time enjoying yourself. So, uh, there was another little mule. And when I say little, I really mean little. He was a little like pony sized mule. Like, a, I'm not sure what he'd be out of. And I, for, I didn't ask Abigail, but, uh, Abigail brought this pony mule. And, uh, you know, we often talk about these, these, uh, bolting, these bolting mules, right? You've heard me talk about these, these bolters, um, on many of podcasts and, and this happens and, you know, we're in the foundation class and, you know, why, why does a mule want to bolt off and drag somebody around? Well, first of all, they don't want to drag you around. They're wanting to flee the scene. The reason any mule bolts is because their pressure is too hard and they don't know how to self-regulate. They don't know how to take care of themselves in that situation. They don't know how to sort things out and think. They don't know how to process that. So therefore, their instinct kicks in and they say, whoever leaves first lives longest. I got to go. <laughs> and they, they're gone. They're out of there. And it just comes down to pressure. And you know what? It doesn't take too many rounds of it. I mean, it only takes three, four times of these guys kind of getting away from you for for these dendrite connections to take place in their mind where they make this new map of what to do when when what happens. So they pretty soon figure out, hey, you know what? When there's this much pressure, I need to go. I need to bolt away and then I get a release. They learn that. And it's nothing to do with wanting to get away from you necessarily. It's the pressure that is that is put on there. It's all about that, you know. Um, so it's, it's a little challenging. Um, and, and Pickles, which I think is a great name. I, could, I nicknamed him Pickle Juice all week. But uh, anyways, old Pickle Juice here. He, he got away from Abigail three times. And uh, it was funny because the first day of the clinic, Thursday, uh, everything went good. Everything went really good in, in class, and we didn't have any issues and no drama. This happened on the next day. And that, anyways, that Thursday night, I had told Sky, I said, this is kind of nice. This is one of the first groundwork classes that, that I haven't had a mule drag me around in a little while. And, and uh, yeah, that's kind of nice. Yeah, 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 right? Well, the next day, you know, Pickles gets away from Abigail three times, and, you know, the first couple times I let her retry it, let her retry it, you know, give her a chance. And then on that third time I asked her if I could help her and she's like, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> have, have the lead rope, have the meal. Here you go. And they're, you know, people are usually pretty willing for me to take a hold of their meal. And so, uh, this is really cool. If you guys are on the social media on our, and if you like and follow our page TS mules, um, on Facebook, check out this sequence of photos that sky posted of this situation so you can see what it looks like but um so i got pickles and i have the leader up in my right hand and i have my flag in my left hand and i want to get this mule to clear the front and this was the issue when you'd send the mule to his left or your right 
Okay, you're trying to clear that front. That's when the mule would split and want to run off and drag you. And uh, so that's what I that's what I, I I try to tone it down a little bit um, and ask for that. But the toning it down wasn't enough. And so I asked the mule, and he he took right off. And for a little mule, he put in all his effort. He put in a whole bunch of effort and gave me a big old jerk. And you can see him you can see him take me off of my feet. And at one point I'm, I kind of jump up in the air, kind of hop and I set my, my feet down, um, hard into the sand. And, uh, anyways, I get the mule stopped. He kind of flings around there and stops and looks at me like, Holy crap. Wow. I've been stopped like that before. And basically I just check my body down on the ground and, and I weigh 170 pounds and he's going to have to drag 170 pounds with some tension there for sure. And anyways, it stopped him. And, and after that we went right to work and didn't have any more issues of him dragging, um, that day. Uh, the next day he did try Abigail again, but this time she did the same thing. You know, she, she, she put her weight into it, got down, got that meal turned around and it was no big deal. And anyways, the meal just needs to learn that, Hey, that's not, that's not the option, you know, but, but more importantly than stopping them, and, and there's so many things that people say, you know, I would post that on Facebook and people make comments about like, oh, mule needs a come along hitch or something stupid like that. And um, now it just needs to be taught, you know, more importantly than stopping the mule. See, stopping the mule, like even me just stopping the mule and, and getting that shut down that moment, know that that does not fix the problem. That's not fixing it. That's, that's stopping it in the moment, but that fixes nothing. What, how you fix this problem is helping the mule find comfort in your questions. Help the mule understand what you're asking. It's, it, it's not a, it's not a, a, a problem of, um, you know, yelling the question louder or punishing them when they get the wrong answer. It's the art of asking the question better and the art of, helping the mule to find comfort in the question. They need to find comfort in the question. So that's what we're trying to get done. Um, how do you do that? How do you do that? Well, it's kind of like the yearling thing I mentioned earlier, you know, asking smaller questions, giving them bigger rewards when they find it. Um, ask questions that they already know, ask questions that they can already, you know, understand they already have a little, uh, a little understanding of, um, that's what we're trying to get done. So you can kind of apply that principle to just about anything you're doing, um, whatever it might be, whatever you got going. Um, how can I help my mule find comfort in the question that I'm asking them? Whereas this mule found comfort in fleeing the scene because he couldn't take the pressure. Now, sometimes you got to back off, ask simpler questions, ask smaller questions. So anyways, um, let's see, you know, in the, uh, in the, in the groundwork class, uh, that's kind of the, the main couple things I wanted to mention. Um, but also one other thing that seemed to come up quite a lot and I was trying to help these, all these great people was, you know, when you're, when you're doing this groundwork, the goal should be to get it done on a loose rein. And this is, this is a hard time. Uh, this is hard for folks to, to translate. Okay. But remember everything we do here on the ground needs to, 
be of benefit to us in the saddle, right? Like it's got to help us in the saddle. That's what I'm, I'm looking for. So do your groundwork the way you want, the way you want to ride. Okay. So when I'm in the saddle, I don't want to have to pull these mules around. I don't want to have to have massive shoulder strength uh, to, to bend these mules around and move them around and steer them. I don't, and I also don't want to have to micromanage the steering either. Okay. So one, one thing that I really work on in, on the ground is building this whole concept of getting it done on a loose rein, getting to where, uh, I can keep that float my rein. And, and, um, it was a little tough the first couple of days, but the third day, uh, they started to get it and that was pretty neat. And I told them, I really wish I could spend four days, five days with everybody. If I could spend four or five days everywhere I go, we would really get some good stuff done because the first day everybody's a little nervous. Second day, they're starting to settle in third day. They kind of got the routine of it and they're, they're kind of ready to go. And, and, uh, that, that makes a big difference. So anyways, um, you know, we had another question come up about, uh, uh, about losing your patience. Um, a nice fella that came and I know he listens to my podcast. So, um, Russell, if you're listening, hello, my friend, but he had a really good question about, you know, losing patience. Um, actually on the third day during the lunch break, um, before his class, I noticed him having a little issue out in the, uh, out in the big obstacle arena and his mule kind of took off on him and you couldn't quite tell at first, like, you know, to, to the untrained eye, you'd think, Oh, he's asking it to run and meals kind of running off. And then, you know, other moments you might think, Oh, the meal's running away with him. And anyways, the mule did kind of take off with him a little bit and, and whatnot. And, and so, and it kind of got him riled up. So he asked a question about patience, like, you know, I said, you know, at the beginning of each class, I say, what do you guys need to work on? What would you like to work on? And, and he said, just patience, you know, having patience. And, you know, patience is probably one of the most important virtues to have in mulemanship. Um, but, you know, unfortunately, <laughs> if you're a praying person, I'll give you a word of advice. Don't pray for patience because God will test you. He, you know, the only way you can gain patience is having your patience tested. That's it. That's how you work on being more patient. So, you know, you're going to be faced with these situations where um, your patience is tested and it's how you handle that, that it's going to help you gain that patience or <laughs> lose your patience. Right. So um, patience, there's three things that that I found that need to be worked on for you to gain patience. Number one, ego. This is tough because we all have an ego and how much do you feed that ego? And ego is, is that's the, that will get you. And part of ego, the biggest part of ego, I think is worrying about what other people think. So, put it in this situation, you know, you've all been here. I, I bet you have been here. You're out on a trail ride. You're going with some friends. Okay. You're, you're, let's say you're, you're at the horse trailer. You just saddled up. You're just going to go get on. They're all on their mules or their horses and they're waiting for you. 
and your mule's having a little bit of an issue, and you know that you should do some groundwork. You know that you should take care of this. But they're ready to go. They want to go. And so your patience is being tested by the mule and by these so-called friends of yours that are ready to rock and roll. They're ready to go. And they want to go. They don't want to wait for you to do your groundwork. You're going to be tested there. Okay. And your ego right there gets in the way of getting some of this stuff done because you don't want to, you feel bad for having your friends wait on you or, or you feel embarrassed that you're having issues or whatever. Ego. Also, ego gets in the way because you think um, the mule should listen to you and that you're the boss and you're in charge here and your mule, your mule disagrees with that. It says, nah, you're not in charge here. <laughs> um, ego gets in the way. You take it personal. When the mule isn't doing what you want it to do, you take it personal. Don't take it personal. Don't take it personal. Mules, the cool thing about mules, and this is probably one of my top five favorite things about mules, is that they don't have an ego. They don't care what you think about them. They don't care what the other mules think about them. They don't have an ego. They live in a land of comfort and discomfort. They want to be comfortable and they really don't want to be uncomfortable. So how can you make them most comfortable? There's no ego there. They don't want to be the coolest kid in class. <laughs> they don't want to they don't want to win the most ribbons at Bishop. They don't give a crap about being a world champion whatever. Um, they don't want to be the best packer, the best rider. They don't care. Uh, do you think they really care what style of mulemanship you practice? Do they care what what if you're if you're dressed up in like a buckaroo or you're dressed up to go to a hunter jumper class or your or or dressage class? They they don't care. There's no ego there. We could take a lesson from the mule on ego. There's no ego. Um, they don't even have they 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 lack the part of the brain that is in charge of that ego part. Okay, okay. So ego that'll get in the way of patience. All right, get rid of the ego and you'll be more patient, I promise you. The next part, and this is a harder part. You've heard me mention this a few times because I think this is important. In fact, I talked about this a couple weeks ago on my Tropic Clinic debrief. So if you listen to that and you're listening to this again, I'm sorry, you're going to hear some of the same stuff, but I'll speak on it. Entitlement. Entitlement. This really tests your patience. You just bought this mule for $20,000. That's a lot of money. You spend a lot of money. You just bought the nicest saddle for this mule. You just spent five, six, seven thousand $7,000 on a good saddle. You you got a great horse trailer to pack him in. You got a nice barn to keep him dry and safe in. You you buy the best feed, you uh, whatever. You've or you've rode him for this long. You've rode him for this many years, that many years. And you think that you're entitled, because of all that, that, you're entitled to a safe ride. And when the safe ride doesn't happen, or the mule doesn't do what you ask them to do, you think you're entitled to it because of the things that you have done. Entitlement doesn't exist in the mule's world either. There's no such thing as entitlement. They're not entitled. The herd leaders, they have to earn that place in the herd. They have to be that herd leader. Okay? There's, there's no... No entitlement there. They, uh, and and that'll uh, that'll really affect. Sorry if you can kind of hear the lawnmower in the background. I'm just 
I'm sitting here in, in Oregon and um, getting ready to do a clinic here this week. And uh, I'm in my truck because my daughters are doing homeschool in the trailer. So I'm sitting in my truck doing this. So sorry about that background noise there. But um, anyways, you know, don't your entitlement that'll really get in your way for sure. Entitlement will definitely get in your way of success because you think that the mule owes you something and they really don't. Um, so, so try not to let that one sneak in. That'll really test your patience is that entitlement aspect for sure. And the last thing on the patience that I'll, I'll talk about is time. Time will get in your way when you're in a hurry. And I kind of, this, this kind of overlaps the, the uh, example I give, you know, when you're out there riding with your friends and they're, they're ready to go, but time will get you when you're under time constraints, your patience will be tested. So if you, if you go out there to work your mule and you only have five minutes, it'll take you, you know, to get something done. That's how you're acting. I only got five minutes to get this done. It's going to take you five hours, but you go out there like you have five hours. You got all the time in the world. It'll only take you five minutes. And that's, uh, that's an important piece there too. So time, you got all the time in the world. You're in no hurry. Uh, don't be pressured into it. And also don't be bothered if it takes you time. Uh, this is part of the checklist thing we talk about. So anyways, hey, we're going to take a quick break right now to thank a sponsor. And when we get back, I will continue with our Dunnigan California Clinic debrief. Hang in there. Hey, I want to thank our amazing sponsors at Mules and More magazine. Mules and More has been around a long time. It's a great magazine, and uh, shoot, I've been reading this magazine since I was just a little kid. I remember my dad subscribed to this when I was little, and I'd read it every month and loved it. And now uh, our good friend Corey Daniels has taken over as editor of this magazine the last few years, and she has done an amazing job. Um, also, did you know that Meals More comes in a digital format? You can download it on your phone, read it wherever you're at. So... Hey, be sure to check them out, mulesmore.com. And, uh, you know, hey, tell them Ty sent you. I'd be very grateful. Mulesmore.com. Okay, so we're back with our Done Again California Clinic debrief. And we've kind of talked a little bit about some things that come up in the foundation class. We've talked about patience and some other little pieces of it. Now I want to kind of shift gears a little bit and. I want to mention a, a really important piece that, um, and, and this is just for, for you, uh, if you plan to come to a clinic, this is something that I want you to know, okay? So I, I uh, every once in a while, I get a participant that gets a little, gets a little angry with me or a little frustrated with me as a teacher or, or whatnot, and I did have one participant get a little frustrated one day at the clinic. And I just want to mention uh, something that I, I want you all to know if you plan to come to a clinic. So this participant was a little upset that I was not giving them a basically a constant feedback. Um, they said I, you know, that I hadn't, I hadn't given them any feedback at all for a little while and they wanted some feedback. And as politely 
as I could say it. I said, well, you still haven't done the things that I suggested to you earlier. So if you come to a clinic and you ask me for suggestions, and I will give you suggestions freely, and I mean, that's what you're, I mean, that's what, that's what you've, you've come for is for help. And, and I tell everybody at the beginning of my classes, hey, I am sincerely, and I use the word sincerely, here to help you. And I mean that. And if you've been to a clinic, I hope you have felt that. It's my personal goal. This is my personal goal. At every clinic, I want each participant to leave feeling like that that clinic was just for them. They feel just catered to. I want everybody to leave feeling that way. Now, I know not everybody does, and that's probably an impossible goal, but that's something that I'm trying to do, okay? But here's the deal. If if I give you a suggestion, I'm telling you something like, hey, work on riding with more relaxed reins. Don't hang on your reins so tight. Don't bounce on your reins. Or, um, you know, I give you a suggestion about sitting. I give you a suggestion about um, uh, rein position or seat position, leg position, whatever. And then you don't hear from me for a little while. Well, that's because I still want you to, I just want you working on that, on that piece. And a lot of these things you got to work on. Um, a lot of these things, if you don't get it going, you can't move on. You got to get these pieces before you can move on to the next piece. And those of you that have known me for years, you know, you know how process oriented I am, how process driven I am. I, the process really matters to me and I can't move on to B or C until I got A. You know, I got to get A, then I can B, then I can get C. I got to go in that direction. So it's not something that I can just bounce around. So this come up at Dunnigan, and I just wanted to mention it, and that's as far as I'm going to go into this uh, little moment in time, uh, was that, hey, you know what, if I give you a suggestion, that suggestion holds for a little while, okay? It's not something that, okay, I'm just going to give you that and then move on to something else. And I might, there might be more to it, but that might be something I want you to work on. And there's no reason to give more input, more information until that piece of information has been, uh, I don't know, what would you say, digested, right? I had a comment from some friends. We had a well, we call them we call them Team Texas. We had Ben and Christy White come up from Texas. They flew up there and brought their son Bentley. Um, I think I've mentioned Bentley before on some previous podcasts. But this young man, this young man is sharp with the mules. Okay, he's 14 years old, and he is going to be the next the next big thing. Okay, this this young man is sharp. And uh, anyways. You know, mom and dad, you know, Ben and Christy, they are taking care of him. They are flying him all over the place to come to my clinics to learn. They want him to be the best that he can be. So just amazing parents. Good job um, raising your kid that way, helping him to be successful. And he will be successful for sure. Um, you know, next month they're flying up to my cult starting clinic. If you guys want to come watch a good, uh, a really fun clinic, Come watch my cult starting clinic in Fountain Green, Utah, uh, next month. The week, the week leading up to Father's Day, we're doing a cult starting. And, and anyways, this young man Bentley's coming up there. He's flying up. He's going to start some cults with me. Um, 
it's going to be a good time. But anyways, Mr. Ben, so Bentley's father, uh, had a comment. And uh, he actually had a couple comments that I liked. And, and I really like Ben. He's an interesting fellow. But one of his comments was, um, about bits. <laughs> he said, I said something about, um, I get, I give all the participants in done again. Well, almost all of them, they're all of them just, but, a, but a few, uh, compliments about, you know, I show up to this clinic in California and everybody has good gear. There's almost everybody is either writing in snaffle bits or, or a hackamore. And, uh, you know, nobody's quite ready for a two rein or a bridle bit. So I didn't see any of them, but snaffle bits and hackamores. And when I, when I say hackamore, if you're new to this show, the hackamore I'm referring to is a bozal, a hanger and a makati. Um, I'm not talking about the mechanical piles. Um, I'm talking about traditional hackamore. So anyways, so I show up there and, and almost everybody has snap, almost everybody has snaffles and, and, or hackamores. Right. So, I'm impressed and I give him a compliment and Ben, he had come to a clinic earlier that year. He said, you didn't tell us, you didn't tell us, you didn't say anything to us about that. You know, um, well, that's because when I showed up to the clinic that he came to earlier that year, uh, there was all kinds of gimmicks, gadgets, and gizmos. I mean, uh, the clinic that he came to earlier that year, uh, you guys might listen to the clinic debrief in, in Winnie, Texas, Winnie, Texas. And, you know, uh, there was all kinds of gadgets down there in the land of Texas, right? All kinds of stuff. You got the nose pinching stuff and you got, uh, all, all kinds of stuff. You got these chin crushers and these jaw, jaw crushers, and you got these nose pinchers and, and every, every other gadget, right? Um, double twisted stuff. And anyways, I get out of done again and it's a little bit more simple, a little bit more simple snaffle bits hackamores and they're trying to make bridal mules and uh, he, he commented on that and i thought that was funny and i thought that was worth mentioning here on the podcast the other thing that ben commented about and ben was just watching he didn't participate he's just watching on the side but he commented he said it seems like here in these classes you have gotten way farther than any of the clinics that ben had been to and ben has had been to a few clinics in texas with me and wrote with me a few times and he says you got way further here than you did there and and i mentioned it to him that well it's it's a lot of it's about the participants you know um uh when you when i come to a clinic come to teach a clinic and a the participants have been to many clinics or b the participants are very familiar with what it is i teach even if they haven't been to a clinic but they're very familiar you know, and I do a lot for you all to be familiar before you get to a clinic. I got a, you know, a, a, a pretty big online video library now. It's and it's growing. I, I'm adding videos every week to it. You know, I got this podcast. What is this episode? Is this episode 99? I think. Um, you know, we got a YouTube channel. We got articles. We got blogs. We got uh, social media on Facebook and, and Instagram and. Uh, you know, should even TikTok. We got a little channel on TikTok, but um, so so we got a lot out there for you guys to get familiar before you come to a clinic, and and I think that's important because I want you to be there. I want you to be there and be prepared, and I want you to be ready, and I want you to uh, be excited and willing. And and uh, I said, you know, some of the clinics you've been to, either a 
they're all new people, which, you know, you got to, you got to give them a break. You know, once your first time coming to a clinic, that's totally fine. Um, and, uh, but yes, if it's lots of uh, new people, we don't get as far and that's just normal. Usually the people that have come and this is their fourth, fifth or sixth clinic, that's when we're making big progress. That's when things are really clicking, really changing in the beginning. You know, it's just like the mules. You got to work from where the mules at and some of these clinics where there's a multitude of new riders, uh, you know, I got to work from where the participant is at. And so I mentioned that to him, you know, and then also the preparedness too. you know, I remember telling him, I said, Hey, some of the clinics you've been to, I showed up there and, and, um, a lot of the participants just said, Hey, I just heard it was a mule clinic. So I showed up and they didn't care. I mean, it wasn't about the, the style of horsemanship, mulemanship that I'm trying to teach and present. It was just the fact that I teach, you know, it was a mule event and they wanted to come to a mule event. So I, I mentioned that to him as well, but you know, when people come and they're prepared and they want to learn this kind of stuff, they want to do this style of mulemanship, you know, um, it does make that clinic click along pretty quick. You know, uh, is the farthest I've got in a groundwork class in a long time. So that was really exciting. Um, it was, uh, one of the furthest, uh, clinics I've ever gotten, um, uh, in a mealmanship too. Mealmanship one was right on, right on schedule. They, they were right on schedule, just right. Um, so anyways, I thought that was worth mentioning on this, uh, this podcast. You know, the other thing I wanted to mention was let's talk about mealmanship too, a little bit. Um, this was, this is important, you know, mealmanship too here, um, is tough. Mealmanship too is tough. And so if you're going to come to mealmanship two class, the number one thing you need to have is a work ethic because it is tough. It's meticulous. You know, when you start cults, my cult starting classes are, I don't know. I pro I don't know if the funnest is the right word. They're really fun because we're excited about everything, right? Good job. The mule didn't buck your saddle off. Hallelujah. Right. Uh, good, you know, good job. You're, uh, you know, you can pick up their feet. Good job. You can put a snaffle bit on. Good job. They loped. Good job. You got them to turn. So, so the, I'm just saying the standards of what you're trying to achieve are pretty, pretty low. Um, it, when you're starting a cult, right? You're excited about every little thing because all of it is brand new. Now, fast forward to mulemanship two and is different mulemanship two it's meticulous so you're working on flexions for long periods of time you're working on picking up that soft feel and and building that lateral flexion together you're working on bends and you're working on headset and you're working on body positions shoulder hip positions and it's very meticulous and particular work but here's the deal if you think about it the farther up the checklist you go, the more educated your mule is, you actually have more opportunity to reward the mule. The hard part is it's just more difficult to find. It's more difficult to recognize, and it's more difficult to, to notice those good little tries. And it's kind of like relationships. Um, this is something that I need to be better about. But like, you know, when me and Sky first started dating, right? I mean, you know, for me first, you know, I mean, I'm going to, I'm going to open every door for this young lady, right? I'm going to, 
I'm going to, uh, you know, pull out every chair for her. I'm going to uh, say thank you for everything. And, and you know, my manners are going to be like tip top, right? Well, you know how it goes now, you know, I, I still hold the door for it. I still try to be as, as polite as I can, but you get a little more relaxed, you know, the, the longer your relationships go. Right. And, and you forget to say thanks for the little things, you know, and, and uh, maybe she makes dinner and I, and I, and I don't mention a thank you. And, and, and it's not that I'm not thankful, right? Cause I am, I'm very thankful. It's just that been in the relationship a little longer. And, and a lot of you can relate to this in many ways. And, you know, when you're dating, right, you're excited about every little holiday and Valentine's maybe means something. Valentine's doesn't mean anything to me and Sky anymore. Valentine's is kind of just one of them lame holidays to us now, <laughs> if we're admitting it, right? So, uh, sometimes you do the same thing in your mule relationship. In the beginning, when you start as cults, you're starting them as cults and you're so excited and you do a great job of saying good job. You, you do a great job of expressing your gratitude to your mule saying thank you, right? And you're excited about all these little things. But then as you ride them for years and years and years, you take things for granted too, just like in your human relationships. You do it. You don't say thank you for the little things. You know, you don't get excited about the little things anymore. And this gets challenging, especially when you get to working on advanced pieces. These advanced pieces are the hardest questions you've asked your mule yet to date. And still, we have a hard time saying thank you. We have a hard time saying good job. And this is an important part of your relationship with your mule is as you progress, as you advance, as you get to these higher levels, you need to be extra, you know, extra thankful. You need to express your gratitude to a whole, at a whole new level. Okay. And this is, this is critical. But it's hard, and it's hard to stay focused on this stuff. I want to mention another thing about Mulemanship 2. The last day of Mulemanship 2, we, uh, like I said, there's only two participants. And then, of course, Sky and my daughter Ellie, um, you know, they joined us and, and rode a little bit. Um, uh, but the last day, you know, we only have two participants. Um, you know, we have a nice lady named mary with her her she has a really nice mule named emily and then uh and then we had um wapiti uh a mule that was owned by uh, a nice lady named medley medley's been coming to our clinics for for many well i think this is her third year and and uh, mary this is her second year so anyways these two ladies have rose me before and they're great they're hard workers and this is what i really really value they are hard workers and they're willing to put in that time they're really they're willing to go 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 all right so anyways i said hey you guys want to go work on some obstacles and and they said yes and both of them expressed a couple little issues that they had had medley talked about um hermiel wapiti miss wapiti um Coming to actually to the same place, the, the same this running eye ranch, to an event, to an obstacle course event, and the mule um, was good for a little while, and then it got to actually the waterfall crossing that I mentioned earlier. It got to that, and the mule wanted to take off. Okay, Mary talked about a different time 
on a obstacle course where um, Emily did great except for coming up to a water box and the mule was scared to death of the water box. And she said that she worked for hours at this water box and couldn't get it done. So I want to talk a little bit about obstacles and, and this kind of might overlap a little bit of my debrief from last week from our clinic in Huntington, Utah that I mentioned. But I think it's important to to go over it again because this is this is a big thing. So obstacle courses. Let's talk about Medley's issue first. Her mule was fine in the beginning and then, then kind of builds and gets an obstacle and says she can't do it no more. And this is an obstacle, by the way, that Medley had done many times before. So the obstacle was not new. This is what happens. When, when you guys go over obstacles and you just get it done, like you just do it, and you're not noticing your mule's uh, frame of mind while doing the obstacle, but you just get it done, um, this this won't be beneficial to you. And, and over time, it's going to add up and they're going to finally get to where it's too much to take. So you might, you might do the bridge and you might go over there and do that water and you might go through this one and that one and this one. And you're doing it. You're, you're checking off the obstacles. You're getting through them. But your mule is building tension, just a little more tension on every obstacle. Maybe they're doing it. It's not that they're not doing it, but they're building tension and they're getting tighter and they're not comfortable you will get to an obstacle or some point in your ride where it will be too much. Um, if you, if you, I'm going to give a shout out to my friend, Warwick Schiller. Um, Warwick has a really interesting story about rabbit limits. And uh, he tells the story much better than I do, of course, because it's his story. But basically talking about how this individual had told him that they were out riding and, uh, you know, They'd been passing rabbits all day. And then finally, you know, the 13th rabbit jumped out and the horse bucked her off and ran away or whatever. And she's saying, well, how come we passed 12 rabbits before, but on the 13th rabbit, the horse dumped me off. Well, the problem was, is, is each, each little rabbit in this situation was building up stress, building up tension in that horse. And finally, it wasn't anything special about that 13th rabbit other than it was the 13th one and it was too much pressure and, and the horse couldn't take it. And then it blew off. See, there's nothing out of the clear blue. This happens on rides all the time. This happens with you guys all the time where you'll say, out of the clear blue, my horse, my mule did this. Out of the clear blue, my mule bucked. Out of the clear blue, my mule ran off. It's nothing, it, and that's never the case. Um, sometimes it might be hard to identify the issue. But one of the most common causes of problems, and, and this is what, um, this is what uh, uh, Medley was dealing with, with Wapiti, was she was getting through these obstacles, especially in, in a, and of course, this is the challenge. This is the competition, right? So it's not like she can work on each obstacle. She's, you know, going through a competition. So she's just checking off obstacles, bam, 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 bam. But building up tension all the way, she finally gets this obstacle and this waterfall crossing um, is something that the mule had already done and done well, just fine. But by that time, the mule was too tense. The mule was too worried, had too much cortisol built up, basically, is the is what's really happening. And the mule says, no, nope, can't do it, runs off with her. So as we start these obstacles, I'm, I'm trying, and we started, actually went to the water crossing first. And, um, uh, you know, Wapiti, uh, 
Medley's mule just walked right across it. It was no problem. She's like, see, this is how it should be, right? I'm like, yes. Um, Mary's mule was a little worried about the water. So we, we went through, finally, you know, we kind of set it up and there was, we went kind of downstream a little bit where the, where the creek was not as loud and, and the, we know the waterfall is not right there so loud. And she went back and forth over it and got her comfortable there. And then I had her follow quite a few times going through by the waterfall. And we went through once or twice. She says, okay, is that good? I'm like, no, look at your mule. And if the mule goes through an obstacle with its head up, ears back, tense through the neck and the, and the forehand, that is not a comfortable frame of mind. They're not comfortable in that. So we went back and forth across the water. Some of these obstacles you got to do 10, 15, 20 times. And some will say, well, you don't want to do too much repetition. You don't want to get them bored. Well, it's not about getting them bored or not. It's about getting the mule comfortable and confident. So I'm going to do these obstacles until my mule is comfortable and confident in the obstacles where they can just confirm that it's no big deal. So we did that with that waterfall crossing with all the mules. Then we went on to, and um, basically this, this brought us to our second obstacle. And we only really did two that day. And this was the water box. And this is what Mary said that she had spent hours on with her mule, Emily, trying to cross this water box. Now, how this water box works is you, um, there, there's, a, there's a piece of plywood inside the, this box that's full of water. There's a piece of plywood. And when the mule steps down on the plywood, there's some holes that's drilled in the plywood. And the water squirts up through these holes. So it kind of, it, it kind of gets, it kind of spooks those, those mules a little bit. And, you know, we, we worked on that. Each one of us, you know, um, the confident mules, we got them crossing that first. And then, you know, Mary, I just told Mary, I said, just come stand right here, stand right here by this water box while, while the rest of us go back and forth across it. So the rest of us went back and forth many times and Sky actually had quite a bit of trouble with cupcake in the beginning, her mule. And, um, I actually got that on video. Hopefully we'll have that on the library for you soon. Um, but she went back and forth a few times, working on it a few times. And all the mean, meantime, I'm just having Mary and her mule, Emily, just stand there, just stand there and watch, just stand there and be, be close to it. See that water. And then, uh, you know, I finally said, okay, Mary, you're, you ready for this? And she's like, I, I don't know. I said, you can do this. You, you can do this. I promise you. But you need to think you can. You need to know you can do it. If you don't think or know that you can do an obstacle, you don't think or know that you can get it done, you probably aren't going to get it done. It's like one of my favorite quotes, and I can't remember who said it first, but you know, those who think they can and those who think they can't are both usually right. And so I said, you need to think and know that you can do this, okay? She's all right. So we started, and... um we kind of went back and forth there a little bit and she got to where she can, her mule just set a hoof in there and one or two. And then anyways, long story short, she got her mule across that water box. And in a matter of just a few moments of time, like maybe a couple of minutes. And she said, there's no way this is, this took me hours before, you know? And, um, so just hanging in there, taking the time it takes, helping your mules, getting a good frame of mind, helping them, get to thinking right, that's going to play such a big role in accomplishing these things. But, you know, don't let those, as my friend Warwick says, rabbit limits build up. Don't let those obstacle limits build up. Don't let that tension build up. If you, if you're doing something and it, and it can be anything, it can be turnarounds. It can be backing your mule up. It could be changing leads. 
whatever it is, it could be transitions, trail riding, whatever, whatever it is, when you see that tension build up in your mule, you need to help that tension leave the mule. Don't do more that's going to add tension. You got to get rid of that tension or else it will build up and you will have a problem. I don't know how bad it'll be or what it'll be, but you will have a problem at some point. So try to help that mule. Anyways, Dunnigan ended up being a great clinic, a good time. We had probably a record potluck uh, at this clinic. I mean, all sorts of meat and vegetables and salads. And um, I mean, it was a heck of a potluck. So I'll just mention that too, because Friday night at my clinics is potluck night. And I hope you can join us at a clinic so you can partake of a potluck sometime because it's amazing. Um, Anyways, it was a great clinic, and, and I've been invited back next year, so we're looking to go back next year. I think it's the 19th to the 21st of May, and uh, I can't wait to go back and see the progress that all of these individuals are making. It's been really amazing to see the progress, and, and I just love that. So I think that's about it for our Dunnigan Clinic, Dunnigan, California Clinic debrief. So I hope to see you at a clinic sometime. And until then, God bless you, and uh, hopefully we'll see you down the road. All right? Take care.